welcome to episode 184 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Weishan, and I'm joined by Tony Malikian. Hey, Tony, what you doing? Well, I just came back from the bar, but I'm ready to talk fintech. <laughs> <laughs> you are? Really? What, what do you want to talk about? I am. Well, I think that we have a guest, thankfully, this week. So <laughs> why don't you tell us who this guest is for this week? So this week we have a very special guest, and actually it's my my first guest ever um, since I took over as host of this podcast. Um, This week we have Mark Schlesinger, the CIO of Broadridge, and he's come on the podcast to talk about um, their partnership with IBM and how that's going to be that's going to lead into the creation of the Broadridge private cloud. And as a result of that, um, there will also be transitioning a significant portion of their infrastructure to IBM Cloud, and that will essentially enable them to uh, create uh, new applications and, uh, yeah, that will help them deliver next-gen SaaS solutions to the clients. So most importantly, though, Wei Shen, Mm -hmm. of this conversation, what was the most interesting thing of that conversation? Well, the most interesting thing, actually, personally, <laughs> is that I actually yeah. found someone who also is an early riser, just like myself. So, because <laughs> you wake up, you wake up at an unbearably early. Like I, I keep on saying, you like, you need to sleep more, but you're like, you wake up at like what, five, I, six in the morning, something like that. I wake up at five fifteen in the morning. Um, oh my god. But you see here, you're bizarre. <laughs> Mark actually wakes up at four something in the morning because he 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 starts playing squash at five thirty a.m. So like, I wake up at five fifteen to be at the gym by six thirty, but he wakes up even earlier to start playing at five thirty. That's that's a, a whole nother level. I have an honest question: What is squash? It's a racket. Like I I know it's it's, it's like a it's like a vegetable, right? <laughs> Yes, yes, it is Seriously. a vegetable. It, it is a vegetable, um, but I meant squash as in the sport. Yeah. What What is a sport? I, I, I'm not even being facetious right now. What is squash as a sport? It's a record game, like tennis, but indoor, and you basically, I, I, I might be explaining this wrong, but you basically hit a ball against the wall with a, either single, <laughs> I, <laughs> with another person. You yeah, you bounce the ball off the wall and hit it back. So it's like racquetball. So it's like American racquetball, uh, I guess. Is I, I I don't know if it's any different. I I, I don't Man, know. we are just giving you guys the best kind of coverage ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I don't know what you Americans call it, but yeah, my called called it squash. But he does play other racket games like tennis, and I don't know if that also leads then on to racquetball, or if racquetball is squash. Anyone who, I mean, <laughs> Mark, if you're listening to this, reach out to me and let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, Mark came on to, well, besides talk about waking up early and playing squash and other sports that he loves, um, he comes on to talk about some of the new application development capabilities that uh, you know IBM Cloud is helping Broadridge with, and um, what uh, 
what those applications, what those new applications are that you know that they will be launching in the near future, like uh, the wealth platform and the data intelligence platform. So, I mean, listen to it if you want to know all about it. Yeah. And you should. You you want to know all about it. It's going to be an interesting conversation, right? Yeah, it definitely is. And we had a lot of fun recording without you, of course, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Well, so with without further ado, let's just jump straight into um, to that, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Have a good week. Have a good week. Hello and welcome again to this week's podcast at Waters Wavelength and I am joined by a very special guest this week and it is very special because since my first, since taking over as host of the Waters Wavelength podcast, this will be my first guest Um, and I would like to welcome Mark Schlesinger of Broadridge, the CIO of Broadridge. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. How are you? Great. Thanks so much, Wei Shen, for inviting me. It's great to have you. Thank you for waking up really early as well. Oh, this works perfectly for me. Gets my day going. <laughs> Are you an early riser usually? Yes, this is. Uh, I usually start around six six thirty uh, New York time. Uh, gives me some time to really kind of get my day in order and uh, and get things going for the rest of the day. Wow. Well, I'm I'm usually an early riser myself, but I don't. Uh, I mean. I get up early to go to the gym, basically. So um, <laughs> a little bit different, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so Broadridge was in the news recently, and I really want to talk to you about the partnership that you have with IBM and what it means uh, in that will lead to the creation of the Broadridge private cloud. So perhaps you could start with giving us an overview of the partnership and some of the progress that has um, been done since then. Yeah, sounds great. And, you know, and the way I look at this is we're, we're actually extending our partnership with IBM. So we've, we've had a services partnership with IBM um, since about um, 2010 um, to manage some of our enterprise platforms. And what we've done here with the, with the um, December announcement is really extending that partnership to our um, Windows and Unix platform, the distributed platforms, um, and we're branding it, you know, the Broadridge Private Cloud, you know, powered by IBM. And really what this is doing is it's it's extending our partnership with IBM um, and really taking our hybrid cloud strategy um, and accelerating that. So it's, it's, focus is in our private cloud. So given all of the products and services that we um, have developed and deployed globally for our global client base, um, there's many of those that are today in our private cloud um, with the eye of moving those ultimately to the public cloud, but that'll certainly take some time and effort and investment to do that. but what we're what we're focused on here is this private cloud, um, kind of the way I look at it is regenerating and rejuvenating our private cloud by refreshing this global infrastructure to make it more um, public cloud like, um, both from a scale, a flexibility, a resiliency, um, and a speed to market. 
Um, and then what that that does, building on that, is it truly will accelerate and enhance our public cloud strategy um, that certainly brings out um, and focuses more not only on those aspects, but also the aspects of innovation um, and, and, and additional speed to market that we can help our clients with. So again, it's, you know, enhances our ability to reinvest in our application portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, it's a key part, as I mentioned, to our multi-cloud strategy. Um, and um, it certainly enables uh, Broadridge to better serve our clients in our governance, capital markets, wealth, and asset management se sectors of the business. Okay, so it's really more, um, I mean, this is part of a refresh to your infrastructure. And and what I also found interesting um, uh, in, in the announcement, actually, you said that, I mean, sorry, Broadridge said that, you know, you'd be transitioning a significant portion of your infrastructure infrastructure to IBM and the first the first one that you would be starting with is um, with the mission critical workloads so um, could you elaborate on what that actually means and how um, how would you go about doing this and I, I guess is um, how, how is IBM also helping to uh, helping you to do this yes yeah, so uh, really good question. And really what this is, is um, it takes our technology transformation um, and make and really helps us with that in terms of a sig significant step forward um, uh, and tightly aligning this with the velocity we're looking for and the and the scale that we're looking for. Um, we'll it'll help us drive uh, better innovation for our clients. Um, both from a scalability and security standpoint. And, you know, when I think about it, IBM will be providing uh, many of the core infrastructure services back to Broadridge. You know, I'll, you know, when I think about those types of services, these are, you know, in a technology term, kind of back office type services. So it's internal network services, compute storage mm -hmm. services, day-to-day uh, -day, data center operational type services. Um, and those are truly key to running any cloud, whether it's private or public. But um, given that IBM has the scale around that, they have huge businesses focusing, focused on delivering those types of services to clients. What it allows a client in this services, in, in this services deal with IBM to do is more focus in on the differentiating components um, that really drives their innovation. So this, you know, given that IBM will be managing all of that back office type of technology services, now Broadridge can further invest and further focus on our application development, how we deliver our services to our clients, how we differentiate our services in the industry um, and and reinvest into all of that so that we can you know really further transform the industry from a services and solutions standpoint okay maybe let's take a, a little bit of a step back I mean in the first place what what motivated this deci decision you know in terms of motivating the decision it, it really is another piece to the puzzle of our um, what we've put in the marketplace, the ABCDs of innovation. Um, so this is a key component of that, the, you know, 
the A is artificial intelligence, the mm-hmm. B is blockchain, C is cloud, which is what we're talking about here, obviously, and the D is digital. So um, this is a key component um, of our ABCDs of innovation. You know, the world is constantly changing. We're obviously, we're all looking to stay competitive and our clients need to turn disruption into opportunity and reimagine, reimagine their operating models um, using technology transformation. That's really what not only the financial services industry is focused on, but really all industry segments are focused on is technology transformation. Um, and with that, Broadridge helps our clients understand how to apply these next-gen next technologies by simplifying the complex and help them get ready for for their next tech, you know, um, revolution or turn of 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 what they're looking to drive from uh, a solution standpoint. Um, so really, it's really focused around uh, you know our major components, as I mentioned, of the ABCDs. Um, and technology transformation. Okay, and um, you know, could you maybe go into a little bit into the timeline of like of, of how this, I, I guess, how you would be migrating your whole infrastructure uh, to the to IBM Cloud? And you know, uh, I, I understand that you are going to be starting with the mission critical workloads, but uh, what what's next after that? And uh, is is there an end timeline to this, or um, is it going to be constantly ongoing? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly early significant milestones in this deal with IBM, and it's really um, between now and the next three years are some of the most significant ones. Um, um, the first component of this in the very near term is really where um, the the team members um, that are doing these critical back office um, infrastructure technology management components for Broadridge will become IBM employees, which is a critical event, um, both from our North American and Indian workforce standpoint. Um, but over the next three years, um, we'll be working with IBM to um, to perform this refresh and transformation of the of the private cloud infrastructure to, as I mentioned earlier, to make it more public cloud like. So it's still going to be dedicated, you know, non-shared with any other customers, hardware and networks. Um, but this transformation of the infrastructure, um, is really going to be focused on resiliency capacity. And I didn't mention yet, but automation. So automation is key to this um, so that we can more quickly um, spin up and spin down environments as market trends require, as our business drivers require, um, so that we could create the scale we need, um, the performance we need, as well as the velocity we need in rolling out global solutions for clients in the public cloud, while obviously staying very focused on um, our public cloud strategy as we continue to drive that. So it, this in no way is changing our perspective on how we're viewing the public cloud, but it truly is is helping us create a hybrid cloud strategy um, and really, it's it's between now and the next three years that's really 
what I would say is the most transformative components um, of this partnership with IBM. Okay. I mean, you mentioned something really interesting that, that is um, it, you're still focused, or this initiative anyway, it's going to be focused on the private cloud, but you're going to, um, I guess, kind of make it feel and look like the public cloud. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And and the reason why we need to do that, you know, is again, scale and velocity. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, you know, especially in today's regulatory world, there's still going to be some time where, um, whether it's regulations, client desires, um, you know, there's many facets to it, will still drive the need to deploy um, solutions in a private environment or private cloud environment mm -hmm. versus a, a true public cloud environment. So I think, you know, any large financial services um, organization, whether it's a, a service provider like Broadridge or, um, you know, a financial services, you know, bank broker dealer really realize that, you know, over time, it, it will take time to, you know, more completely adopt um, the ability to deploy um, solutions in the public cloud. So really having a hybrid private public cloud strategy, I think is key to any, any organization strategy. Okay, and also um, IBM Cloud would, would also give you some new application development capabilities that will um, help you create new offerings, right? I mean, so, could you go into could could you tell us what some of these uh, new application development capabilities are, and you know what what and how Broadridge is going to be taking advantage of this? Yeah, that's a great question, and you know a couple of the the, the key ones that we're focused on here. Um, one is our wealth platform, so we're in the process of really. Um, building the next generation of a industry-wide um, platform um, focused in the wealth, uh, the wealth segment um, that drives productivity um, and uncovers revenue opportunities for the, the, you know, the financial agents out there. Um, it uses AI and identifies prospects um, and uses the cloud, both private cloud components as well as some public cloud components um, to manage the information and the digitization to enhance the client experience. So certainly our wealth platform um, that we're in the process of building and deploying spans our private and public cloud. Um, we're also launching a um, what I'll call a data intelligence platform um, that will help the buy and sell side unlock liquidity um, around the corporate bond market. Um, so this really takes a lot of the manual process out of this marketplace and really brings it online and helps clients identify natural buyers and sellers um, and, and, and enable the best execution through AI-enabled electronic trading, this AI-enabled electronic trading platform. So I think those are two very good examples of how our private cloud um, is really going to be leveraged in in building some next gen solutions for the industry. 
Okay, and um, maybe going a little bit into the wealth platform that you mentioned earlier, um, one of the two uh, applications that uh, Broadridge, is, Broadridge is currently building, um, could you give me exa an example of how, I guess, what, what difference would it make to um, your current wealth clients? Uh, and in terms of like maybe would it be more of the look and feel or like how if it's going to be a workflow thing how how would it change or how would it make some of their workflows more efficient yeah it, it certainly is from the user experience standpoint so the ui ux is certainly focused on you know the next generation solution around that um, and ease of use um, as you know, and how we engage not only the financial analysts, but also their customers, right? And how they interact with their high net worth, worth customers. Um, so the UI and, and the user experience is certainly a key component of that. But then it's also, um, if you think about it, the, um, the backend business intelligence and the infrastructure to drive all of that you know, creating truly a, um, a leading edge software as a service platform um, really enables a client of that product suite to quickly um, be onboarded um, and start, you know, delivering solution, you know, not only the solutions, but the efficiencies and the effectiveness um, expected. So given that it's a, you know, pretty much everything we do here at Broadridge um, is software as a service solutions. Um, that's really a key driver in terms of velocity and effectiveness, efficiency and scale. Okay. Um, so when can clients expect uh, these two products, so the wealth one and the other one you mentioned, when, when will this be hitting the market? Yeah, the wealth one. So we have, you know, I would call generation one in the marketplace today. This is the next gen that's going right. to be delivered in phases over the next couple of years. Um, and then the other one I mentioned in terms of this um, corporate bond market, um, you, you should be hearing about this in the marketplace in the next one to two months. This has um, been in beta test mode and user acceptance testing for a while now. So you'll see this in the marketplace beyond the next 30, 60 days. So, Mark, tell me, uh, you know, what, be, beyond the wealth platform and the corporate bond platform that uh, these applications that Broadridge is currently working on, you know, uh, what, what is beyond that? Yeah, so as you can imagine, we have uh, several um, key initiatives in the pipeline like we would always do. And, um, you know, to offer some, some thoughts around um, some of our newest products and deliveries, um, I'll give a couple of examples in the blockchain world. Um, one example there is in the fixed income market, there's instruments called repos. And um, to date, it's it's what I would call a fairly manual, manually intensive type of process to manage them and settle them um, across the industry. And what we've developed is a first-of-its-kind um, distributed ledger environment um, for intercompany repo agreements um, that does a few things. It certainly enhances the liquidity in this market space. Um, it creates operational efficiencies through 
you know, the automation and workflows um, that we've built around it. And it certainly um, provides additional compliance and transparency um, for the capital market firms that participate in that. So I think that's a great example that's already in the marketplace in leveraging blockchain and creating um, a network and a need around uh, settling repos. Um, another big initiative in the blockchain world um, is um, is around actually a regulatory change change called shareholder rights directive. And in a nutshell, um, shareholder rights directive is really taking the proxy process as it's known in North America and really extending that type of process to the um, international marketplaces. Um, and that's what shareholder rights directive is all about. And with that said, is in the in the EU marketplace, um, we're using blockchain to create this type of, I'll call it workflow and process, again, for the EU market that'll enable, that'll enable the intermediaries to fulfill the, their disclosure applications. Um, and it will entitle the EU based issuers, you know, the, the corporate issuers that um, need to participate in this from a proxy disclosure standpoint um, to obtain um, their identities and, and deliver the appropriate materials to their shareholders. So uh, I think those are two really good examples um, in the uh, blockchain space. And um, okay. on the digital okay. side of things, um, we have a product called um, Experience Manager um, in the market today, um, which is a holistic design and delivery platform that really allows any business user to easily transform their customer communications whether they're transactional communications, mar marketing communications, regulatory communications, um, into dynamic, personalized, and engaging touch points um, for their end, end clients. Um, so as well as these organizations can send these types of digital communications through really any of their clients' preferred channels, whether it's emails, texts, microsites, um, we support many and growing channels around that. So I think that's uh, a great example on how we're focused, uh, laser focused in the, the digital space. Okay. And I mean, I guess bringing it back to cloud, uh, there's a particular question I'd like to ask. If regulators, um, and, and this is a topic that uh, um, my usual co-host, uh, Anthony Malikian, and I have spoken about, I think, in the past few podcasts. So regulators, particularly particularly in the UK and US, you know, have, have been expressing concerns over third and fourth party reliance, you know, as well as vendor lock-in lock risks. You know, looking at cloud in particular, I mean, our... Uh, are you guys taking a multi-cloud approach, um, you know, and, and if so, uh, why not? And then also extending this over to um, your vendors, you know, how, how are you, um, I guess, making sure that uh, everything, I mean, not that you have explicit control over what they do, but making sure that, you know, everything's in order and that, you know, a failure on their part won't cause a, won't, won't cause any disruption on your side. 
Yeah, that that's really a great question. I think that's kind of one of the um, probably most top of mind questions in the industry, whether it's, you know, in North America or any of, you know, whether it's US, UK, Asia PAC, those, that's typically some of the bigger conversations we get into with our clients or prospective clients. Um, and that's really why we have, you know, our hybrid, hybrid cloud strategy, both private and public, as we talked about on this podcast. Um, but on the public side, the way we're looking at that is we're focused today on leveraging AWS from their infrastructure and platform services. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're our sole provider there. Um, and we do, um, even today, leverage other public cloud providers like IBM and Microsoft when their platform services provide a good fit and business solution. But with that said, focusing on a singular cloud provider to really get the right levels of scale, efficiency, automation, innovation, I think is key to any organization in delivering a successful cloud strategy. You can't, it's easy to say that you can have a multi-cloud, public cloud strategy. It's much harder to execute that because they all use different tools that there's Y and UXs and APIs to create the automation that if you're doing it right, it's it's really duplicating your effort across public cloud providers. And if you pick a public cloud provider that has the right depth and breadth of infrastructure services and platform services, it's really incumbent on the user, in, in this case, Broadridge, to architect and design their applications um, across that provider's landscape of infrastructure to ensure that you have the right level of um, resiliency and scale and reliability. So these larger providers have, you know, in essence, data centers all over, you know, across many, many regions. And you really have to architect your applications to take advantage of their multi-data center regions so that you can you know, ensure that you have the proper availability for your application. That's really incumbent on the end user from a design standpoint. So I think, you know, from my perspective, having a private public cloud strategy is important, but, you know, focusing on a single public cloud provider and getting it done right is critical to the success of, of any program. And also when I think about security, because I'm sure that's, you know, and I know that's top of mind also, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say 99% of what's required to deliver a secure solution is also, you know, on the burden of the, of the customer to design a good secure platform to deliver a service. There's certainly some underlying physical security and platform and infrastructure security a cloud provider um, is responsible for, but that's really a very small component compared to all of the other pieces to deliver a secure solution. Um, so with that said, you know, we certainly have focus around this, as you would imagine, given the position we are in the marketplace. Um, but to confirm that, um, we've also um, been certified from the Cloud Security Alliance, CSA, for all of our public cloud implementations. Um, and this is a third-party external certification that 
to date, only a handful of fintech companies have this level of certification. So that gives us, you know, additional um, comfort around how we're implementing very secure applications in the public cloud. Um, so, so with that said, I think we, you know, we we address many of the you know, these questions and concerns clients do have, mm-hmm. but it certainly mm-hmm. takes, you know, a lot of effort and a lot of conversations with our client security and compliance and regulatory experts to, to have them better understand um, not only what the landscape looks like, but what Broadridge is doing to, um, to ensure that we're, we're aligned there. Right. And also, I guess this is kind of something that we'll have to wait out and see what happens in terms of um, whether or not it's going to be, um, I, I guess, uh, results in any new standards or so. Like, I mean, regulators are, have only issued guidelines as uh, so far. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, right? Yeah, I think it, it is a little bit of a wait and see. But I think, you know, having the right focus around this uh, still enables us to drive these solutions in the public cloud mm-hmm. um, and the right level of comfort that our clients and their regulators need. So um, I think it's it's a little bit of a wait, but we're certainly you know pushing it to make sure that, you because know, we're very confident in terms of how we're delivering our services, both private and public. You know, so we're constantly pushing that um, to make sure that we, you know, we're, we're truly moving it forward from an innovation standpoint. Right, right. Okay, and uh, before before I let you go, I just want to uh, maybe talk about a little bit about more uh, maybe light light hearted things. So, um, you, you were telling me earlier about uh, about your passion for squash. Could you tell our listeners, you know, why why you like it and why you enjoy it so much? Yeah, that's um, yeah. So, and I think it's the time of year. So this. For the most part, in the New York area, squash is considered more of a you know full winter sport. Um, so there's a lot of you know play and focus around it in in that time frame. And um, only and I've been playing a lot of racket sports in, since high school. Um, but a couple of years ago, I ran into um, a, actually a new very good friend of mine. Now that he played very high levels of squash up in Canada, literally at the pro level and you know invited me onto the squash court and um it really um became another one of my passions um it's a very interesting game to play both singles or doubles which what's interesting about it is singles is in a whole different dimension court with a different ball you get into doubles it's in another dimension court with another type of ball so it's the first sport i played where Singles and doubles are played in very different environments with different equipment. Um, and the strategy around it, the um, the patience you need around it, the athleticism you need around it is just something I've never experienced. And now it's something that, you know, I really um, enjoy to play probably five to six times a week. Wow. Uh, both singles and Lately, a little more singles than doubles because um, I like to actually have an early 5.30 in the morning, 60-minute match with some of my buddies who are willing to get up that early. 
Um, it's a great way to start the day. It's a great way to get your cardio going pretty quickly. You know, basically shower, shave, get into the office after that. It's just a, a really good way of starting the day and a lot of fun. So are there actually many other people that are willing to wake up at that hour to play yeah, squash at 5.30 in the morning? Well, as you could imagine, it's it's pretty much a short list. There's maybe three or four of us that are willing to do it, and I'm kind of the, the one that kind of forces that time frame, but it's it's a short list for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to waking up that early too, but... Um... Oh wow! Not to not to play squash. Um, and usually I wake up at that time, and not I'm not there at the gym at five thirty. Uh, yeah. So that's that's oh, that's a, I have a whole level, new level of respect for for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, thank you again very much for joining us, Mark. Um, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we have you on. And uh, to our listeners. Well, we'll see you again next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Wei Shen. It was a great conversation. 